Wyoming Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. The relentless mocking has got to stop in this studio, okay? Look at me. I'm giving thanks to all these healthcare workers. And that's about it. Look at the size of this thing! It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Do it. Five o'clock hour. Highly energized. I have a special formula as an old guy to keep the energy going. I mentioned in my younger days, we were just talking about uh, the dieting, disciplined. John Von Tobel was on the show today. John was saying he saw some Pop-Tarts. They were on sale. He bought some. He told about his uh, told us about his favorite flavor. He gave his kid his first Pop-Tart ever. And I mentioned, hey, in my 20s, when I was just a freaking carb-burning machine, I didn't do anything. It was just, you know, you're in your 20s. Uh, I used to do the brown sugar Pop-Tarts with the massive bucket Oh Mountain Dew. And there wasn't there there wasn't an issue. Uh, listener Derek, back in again on the show. Two good tweets today. There are a lot of good tweets that he sends in. Uh, he says, "I'd rather eat JVT's disgusting frost free, frosting free, uh, pop tart than the brown frosted washed down with bucket of Mountain Dew." He says, "I'm a fellow fat guy, but that sounds awful." Yeah, there's. I'd rather eat like a baked potato with roast beef and a hot coffee than. Then do that. That's that is a random mention. Why would you mention a a big giant baked potato with a, a coffee with roast beef and and you forgot to throw on there loads of horseradish? No loads of horseradish, and I would assume because I've seen you in the past before when you used to bring your cooler with different coffee creamers in it, along with yeah, along with the, the coffee cup. So I'm sure there's a lot of coffee mate in that coffee too. Yeah, that, that was a that was a legendary meal before a UNLV basketball game at the pit. Uh, and I, I really do have a stomach. It's gigantic stomach of steel. But that one, I was a little worried because if anyone's been to the pit, it literally is a pit and the ramps to get up and down to the court. Yep. It's, it's kind of rough. And that it was like a three, three times the normal size baked potato with the roast beef and the horseradish washed down by like some real strong coffee at like uh uh, some some chain deli. It was delicious, though. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. So you understand why the the brown sugar pop tart and the Mountain Dew is nothing. This yeah. has been this, this temple has been built over years and years and years of just chugging disgusting meals. I'm trying to think of like the grossest combinations like I've ever like eaten in my life. Like, and I can't even think of one that would be like comparable to that. Well, yeah, you got nothing. Of, you're a young man. You can strive to be great at some point. Ah, I actually remembered. It was the time that you made me and Adam do the Jim Harbaugh thing where we had Cocoa Pebbles uh, that we used uh, Gatorade instead of milk. That was not good. Yeah. That was not good. And like I said, I can, I'll eat anything, but Harbaugh got me on that one. I couldn't do it. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents The Big Five at Five. Number five. Ari is pissed off. I'm he is real pissed off to start off this 5 o'clock hour. He writes, boxing is transitioning into what? Who knows? Ocho Cinco is now officially on the undercard of the even stranger Mayweather-Logan Paul fight. He said no opponent yet, but I'm sure there's a random actor, chemistry teacher, or 
HVAC repairman who will be up for it. What's your problem, man? Uh, what is going on with boxing? I, I mean, you know, I guess this is actually the right way to do this because it is dying slowly, right? Um, I'm at best a casual fan of sports in general. Boxing never even enters, you know, my radar. So, but it did, but it did today with this fight. So, actually, mm-hmm. isn't this working? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, so it is. I'm not. I'm not mad. I just, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird to me. Um, I'm not sure how much training Ocho Cinco's been doing, but I guess he's getting ready. He doesn't have an opponent yet. They mentioned Brandon Marshall would be a good, good opponent, and I actually agree with that. <laughs> but like, what are we doing now? Uh, what will the fight between Ocho Cinco and Brandon Marshall be? If you can find this, just Brandon Marshall yelling like eight feet from him where he can't hit him, but he just screams him down and scares the crap out of him. John, do you like this? Do you like this card that now involves Ocho Cinco? I mean, I don't like it or dislike it. I think really this is just a referendum on boxing, right? And I will say this, you know, Steve, I don't know if you remember, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, I sent in a story, we didn't get to it. There was a poll done, and they had they were polling all the different generations, and I can never remember what the youngest generation is at this point right now. I think it's you know Gen Z, whatever it is. Boxing was the fourth most popular sport among that young generation, and I think why? Because YouTubers like Jake Paul are getting involved, and they are drawing young eyes to it, and to them, that is now boxing. And so if you, like out there, the collective you, not just Ari, if you don't like where this is at at this point right now in terms of boxing, you know who you blame? You don't blame Jake Paul. You don't blame Logan Paul. You blame boxing for putting themselves in this situation where YouTubers and guys who really don't know how to fight are the main attraction. Steve, I haven't bought a boxing match ever in my life except for one time. And you know when that was? Two weeks ago when Ben Askren fought Jake Paul. <laughs> like that's that's where boxing is man and i'm like a combat sports fan i like mixed martial arts but boxing has no one to blame but themselves as they don't like where they're at at this point so go ahead ultra Cinco fight you're gonna draw some eyes people are gonna buy it and i think it's a pretty good idea if you can cash in number four sad times sad times i'm gonna be really sad if the raiders don't legitimately get in on aaron Rodgers. why not right uh, one of the great quarterbacks of the Sierra could be available. It sounds like it's really, really, really over in Green Bay. Diana Rossini, Big Roos, was talking about it this morning on Get Up. There's certainly a feeling that this is not going to work out. I know Rob uses that 5% uh, way of describing it. And, and look, there's no way to really put a percentage on it. I can just tell you around the league, there aren't a lot of people that have belief that Aaron Rodgers is going to turn, return to the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, the Rob she was referencing was the uh, ESPN.com insider who covers the Packers. Keep going on. Keep going on. Keep going, Diana. I've had some conversations with the organization as well, and the sentiment there and the feeling I get at this point is deflated. They are absolutely deflated at this point as we know they've been trying to fix this. They've been trying to mend it, but for them, they know this is up to a very strong, stubborn, smart quarterback named Aaron Rodgers who's going to do what Aaron Rodgers wants to do. Fans in general, John, from the uh, sampling you've seen on social media, where do you think they fall? I'm not talking about Raiders fans trying to get Aaron Rodgers, but just football fans in general. They think Rodgers has a right to do this, or they think he's a weenie who's being a whiner? I, I would say from what I have seen personally, it's more in the camp of Rodgers, Diva, whiner as opposed to I understand where he's coming from. I mean, look, we got Truth from Duluth, who's, you know, a, a P1 listener, you know, responds all the time. He's great on social media. 
you know, kind of pushing back on the narrative that Rodgers isn't getting help. So I think that's generally what the consensus is. The Denver Broncos continue to be the team I hear that are going to be the most interested and are going to put the most in front of the Green Bay Packers to try to make this trade go down. Okay. How do the Raiders outdo the Broncos? Because I agree the Broncos could put together a nice package of solid, young defensive players. Adam Hill was stymied yesterday when I asked him for a Raiders deal for Aaron Rodgers. What can the Raiders do? They have got to stop. They've got to stop the Broncos. If the Broncos are the leader, they've got to stop Denver from getting Aaron Rodgers. What can they put Uh, together? I mean, a lot of packages I have seen thrown together, like by media members that would land Rodgers for Denver. We don't even know if they're landed, but this has been kind of based around there, has been player and multiple first-round draft picks. So I would assume it would be Derek Carr, three-ish first-round picks in like a second. Would that be enough to go and land him? I think that would be a comparable packet. No players involved? Well, I said Derek Carr. Except for Carr. Uh, Yeah, I, I would think so. I mean, honestly, I'm kind of scratching my head thinking of a player that the Packers would want outside of Derek Carr to be. I mean, I mean Waller, maybe. I mean, you can probably throw Darren Waller in there. That would be, I think, that's like a – that's if you're doing Carr and Waller, then I think you're cutting down on the first-round picks that you're offering. Yeah, but I think those realize, are the top two. If the package you just proposed is probably bigger than what we were talking about uh, back months ago for Deshaun Watson. Now, again, that was all a creation mm-hmm. of Colin Cowherd saying that it, it could be Carr and Waller and multiple first-round picks. I don't think that would be the deal. I also – I don't know what the Packers would want. If if this is really an ego play, would uh, their GM, Gutekunst, would he want a bridge quarterback like Carr where maybe they don't fall off a ton? Or does he want to just strip the whole freaking thing down and go to Jordan Love? Like, how much is he in love with Love? I mean, the whole thing around Love is really fascinating, right? Because, again, what we talk about with Rodgers and extending the contract, you're eating into the contract, the rookie contract of Jordan Love, right? Like the the attraction of a rookie quarterback is the cheap contract, and so like extending Rodgers or acquiring a Derek Carr again eats into that. So if you want to go the eagle route, if you want to continue to try to win games, then again you're kind of playing into Rodgers' narrative here that you don't know what you're doing because you traded up to go get a quarterback in the first round that you're not going to use three out of the potential five years that you could have had him on the books right on his initial contract so like that's kind of what throws me off here i think more than likely if rogers is gone the love era begins which means then you're looking more for draft compensation and players like a darren waller who would help you in that goal as opposed to a quarterback like a Derek Carr, which leaves Raiders in a weird spot because then what do you do with Carr if they don't want him, right? Not necessarily that it's a slight against Carr, but it just doesn't fit with the direction that we're in right now. Number three. Well, that would be interesting if Carr went up to Green Bay and had to be the bridge. You know, the bridge is not easy. It's not easy. The You know, the, the Jimmy G role now potentially in front of Trey Lance is not easy. We've heard stories of, you know, Joe Flacco was not exactly the most cooperative dude uh, with the Ravens as they were, you know, getting ready to pass the baton to Lamar Jackson. Jimmy G was on with um, 
the morning show. I almost said TMZ. We got this courtesy of TMZ. Huh. It was on our ESPN Las Vegas national morning show and was talking about, hey, where he is right now mentally. You know, it's kind of, you know, coming full circle. Uh, you go through this NFL career and you start as a young guy come in. Uh, Tom kind of showed me the ropes. Uh, the competition between us was awesome. Really made me grow as a, as a rookie and a young player. And so that's kind of what me and Trey will, you know, we'll mold our relationship into that, but it'll happen naturally. Just uh, it's one of those things you can't force anything. Just let it come as it may. It is funny that he, he uh, mentioned the situation with Tom Brady. Do you think Tom Brady was a good soldier in potentially getting ready to hand the baton? I can't even finish it. No, Tom Brady was not. I don't know if he like he tried to screw over Garoppolo. I don't think he did that. Um, but it, it, this is a, it's a fascinating position to be in because it's also it's not like this. I'll make an old reference. This ain't Steve DeBerg. Like Steve DeBerg was a longtime quarterback in the NFL, and it seemed like all throughout his 30s he kept getting stuck in these spots, John. When he was 33, 35, 37, where he was the guy getting the next guy ready. Garoppolo is still a young guy, and this year holds a lot of importance for him. The next contract is on the line, and actually going to an organization that can win, being coveted, winning and then being coveted for Jimmy G is a big deal. Right. And well, and you know what's interesting, I think, about this like bridge type of situation. It is somewhat similar to Brady and the Patriots. The difference is, is that like Garoppolo is obviously not on the same level as Tom Brady, so we know the time is limited. But he's also in a situation where when he was fully healthy, this team was fully healthy, he led them to a Super Bowl. And so, like, you could be the bridge, win a Super Bowl with this team theoretically, right? And then improve your status among the league, go get a new contract, all that stuff. So I, I think this is really interesting. Jimmy Garoppolo is in a I, he's in a much better spot, I think, than most of these bridge quarterbacks that we have seen in the past because he could win a Super Bowl with this team. There's enough talent there, and then fly off into the sunset and grab another job with the NFL team as a Super Bowl winning quarterback. I try to use my own personal experiences uh, and just what I went through, you know, what helped me, what uh, challenged me as a young player. You know, I'm going to try to use those tools that help me and, you know, try to help Trey out. You know, it's, it's hard to come into this league. I know how it was coming from uh, FCS school to the NFL. It, it's a bit of an adjustment. It's, it's just different. So whatever I can do to help him, uh, I'll be more than happy. John, I don't know how busy you were on Saturday, but uh, I was not. And as I was bouncing around the house, I mentioned this yesterday. I really enjoyed the Saturday coverage of the NFL draft on ESPN. It basically just became a talk show about the NFL and football and past drafts and current drafts and organizations and just the philosophy of drafting with Lou Riddick and McShay and Kuyper. There were some really good debates in there. And one of the debates that they started to get into was, and McShay was kind of pushing this, why are we assuming Trey Lance has no shot to start early on for the Niners and that Jimmy G is going to be the guy this year? And he made a case for Trey Lance from an experience standpoint. It may not be at the highest level, but he made a case for him. He's like, the guy got good starting time at North Dakota State and that he is the smartest by the numbers quarterback who was drafted. Smarter than anyone else. The brightest bulb out there. And he was making the case that Trey Lance may be in there very soon. And then Kuiper just flipped out. He's like, what are you talking about? He's got barely any experience. It's against lousy competition or lesser competition. There's no way he starts. Where are you on this one? Do we see Trey Lance halfway through the season? We're talking about a good team. So if Lance ain't ready, he ain't playing this year. Yeah, I mean, I I think we we assume, right? Because, you know, he's got less than 400 career passes as a quarterback. So uh, I think that's probably why it's out there. You could be really smart in terms of your X's and O's, but if you don't have the mechanics down, if 
Lynch and Shanahan don't feel comfortable. I, I totally understand the narrative that he might not be the starter week one. I don't think it's like 100%, especially if he shines and, and realize too, like not only everything that Lynch brings to the table, um, but the fact that they say Lynch, I'm sorry, Lance, but the fact that this is a pretty quarterback friendly system for the most part. So he could probably be a little bit better and you could watch him in training camp and Shanahan could feel comfortable enough to where they're like, yeah, sure. Let's put him in there. But I'll say this last thing. If the reports are true and Shanahan ultimately didn't want Lance and went with Lynch and the team, maybe that's why we don't see him early because Shanahan himself is not comfortable with Lance as his quarterback. Number two. Big night in the NBA last night for stat watchers. Uh-oh, am I going to be negative about Russell Westbrook? He goes out, had 21 rebounds and 24 assists in a game. And then first thing I hear about this this whole uh, this game and the fact that uh, Westbrook also clinched a triple-double for the fourth season of his career. We're talking averaging a triple-double for the season. First thing I hear is negative crap. Uh, someone dumping on him, saying that he's not an all-time great. Scott Brooks said he's one of the best players he's ever seen at the position at point guard. Mm-hmm. And typical. We did, we got sports radio guys all over the place who love to bash Russell Westbrook. Are they right? The, you know, the general take that, hey, he's just a numbers guy. He ain't a winner. He ain't great. Uh, no, they're not right. And in fact, if you're talking about Russell Westbrook this year as a stat pattern, then you're just frankly admitting that you're not watching the sport. You know, th- this is a run from Russell, uh, Russell Westbrook that has been absolutely incredible, which, by the way, for some reason, he has one of the hardest names to say. I always call him Russell Westbrook, and I don't know why. Um, but the last 16 games, Steve, the Wizards are 13-3 and straight up, 13-2-1 and against the spread. They have a plus 7.1 net rating, meaning they outscore their opponents by 7.1 points every 100 possessions. Westbrook averaging 22.3, 13.1, 12.3 on 46% shooting from the floor. He actually is, and I have a check this, among the league leaders in the clutch field goal percentage, game within five points in the final five minutes. He's been absolutely incredible. He's been rock solid for this team in these last 16 games. So if you want to talk about years past, Russell Westbrook's stat pattern, sure, I can hear it a little bit. But if you're using that at this year, then you're just lazily leaning on a crutch and you haven't watched a second of Wizards basketball. So stop talking about it. Number one. Lakers with a big win last night. It was an important win. We'll get into yes. the details of the game. They take out the Nuggets in a tight tilt down the stretch. Key plays on both ends of the floor. But, you know, one of the stories around the game is LeBron not playing. LeBron saying recently that he'll never get back to 100% after this latest injury. And that really turned off Rob Parker over on Fox Sports Radio. I'm throwing a towel in on the Lakers only from the standpoint that LeBron's already said he's not going to be 100%. He's already got his. Well, out. he said that for the rest of his career, which right? I don't, but but yeah. well, but that doesn't bode well for this year. I think he just cons- right, right. Considering where they are and how they've looked, okay. Rob, Rob ain't down with it. Rob ain't down with it. Are you ready to throw in the towel on the Lakers? Of course not. Like when when health is a big issue, and they start to get healthy. That is going to be something where I don't think you really want to throw the towel in on them. The guys are back on the floor. They'll build some continuity. I don't think you can ever really throw the towel in on any of these teams. And the Wizards actually are a great example of that. The Wizards had COVID issues. They weren't together. And sure enough, they've won 13 of the last 16 games. And they're probably going to be a favorite. They should be a favorite, not a favorite, to win a play-in seed. No, not throwing in the towel at all. More from the Odd Couple. Great show added to the uh, Fox Sports national lineup. 
Uh, both guys went in, not only on LeBron, but they got all over Anthony Davis. You'll hear that next. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Now, back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Basically, taking—I don't want to say taking the season off, but you—you kind of—you've mailed it in this season. And How? That, and that, that shouldn't How? happen from him. No, he's LeBron, what, twenty-eight years old or something. Right, like that? he's too young to not feel like he should have gone out and said, "You know what? I got my championship. LeBron's still here now. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get my MVP, Chris, in my Absolutely. back pocket." I could get both of them and then have a chance to go back-to-back. And once you do that, you change the perception of you, of who you are as a player. Absolutely. And it just didn't feel like Anthony Davis had that game plan. There you go. Uh, The Odd Couple, you can hear them over on our sister station, Fox 1340 and 98.9 FM, after the VGK Insiders go off. And there's not a, a VGK game on, but that's on our sister station, 1340 AM. So they started to go in on LeBron because LeBron said, hey, I'm not going to be healthy you know, after this injury for a while. So Rob Parker's like, hey, I'm throwing in the towel on the Lakers for a title. And then they both went in, which is kind of surprising. Rob's kind of the, the hot take, hot shot, and that's why the show's good. Uh, Chris Broussard's very good too, but he's the NBA guy. Are we just ignoring – if we're going to get on Anthony Davis not taking the reins, like he wasn't playing. John, John how, could he, how could he take the reins with a bad Achilles? That's that's kind of what I just didn't. I when you sent these clips over earlier, I listened to that four times because I was like, "What are they talking about?" Like they're completely ignoring the in very serious injury that he discussed or that he suffered. And here's the thing, Steve. And I think this is this is kind of just like referendum on how the NBA is covered overall. I honestly think, and the way that they're talking about this, I don't want to put words in their mouth. I think a lot of people think that these guys are faking these injuries, yep. right? Like. Like to go after Anthony Davis and to say, why didn't you take the reins? If he would have played, he could have ruptured his Achilles, and then he wouldn't be playing for over a year. So what are we talking about when we're discussing this? I consistently see so many people complaining about like the injury reports and all these things, and it's like, give me one player you think should be playing right now that is on these injury reports. Who is it? Is it LeBron with the high ankle sprain that's that's very serious? Is it Anthony Davis with a calf slash Achilles strain that is potentially going to end up in a rupture if he doesn't take it very seriously? Like, to me, that clip just sounds like they either forgot that Anthony Davis was injured for 30-plus oh, games. Chris Broussard, Chris Broussard did not forget. Uh, then they think he's faking it. That's the only two options. isn't it like if your criticism is ad didn't take the reins you either forgot he missed 30 games or you think he's faking the injury it's a weird one dude it's a really weird one here's rob parker closing out the conversation as once again he says you know what lakers uh, i'm not down with them they're not going to win the title this year i'm out on the lakers i just think too many things have to go right and already we've seen that they haven't and 
you know what? I think the season might be better off them going into the playoff game, uh, playing game and losing. Okay, that was a weird one. They're just better off. They're better off going to the playoffs and just getting out. Don't even try. They're going to die at the end. Inevitably, it's just going to be a terrible ending. So don't get your hopes up and actually advance in the playoffs. Get into the real field. Just bail. Which, by the way, if Sports Talk Radio guys who are writing off the Lakers are savvy, the no is now minus 580. You've got to freaking load up on that, right? The, the, no, no, to to win, the no to win the, the Lakers to win the title no is minus 580. It sounds I'll like one, it's a lot. I'll one-up you. Go bet 12 to 1 that they're not going to make the postseason. Because if they lose in the play-in, if they lose in the play-in, that's officially not making the postseason. Wow. Okay. So Rob Parker should be firing away on that 12 to 1 on the Lakers no to make the postseason. Let's go, Rob. Let's go, Rob. All right, we're hearing from all the national voices. Uh, we got to get back to uh, the A-Rods talk and what's going to happen with this rift. Um, do we want to sit here and blame Shailene Woodley, as some people are? We'll get into that a little bit. Uh, but also, Terry Bradshaw went on WFN in New York, and he just freaking tore apart Aaron Rodgers. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. A lot of hot take hot shots today. Including John Von Tobel and his take earlier in the day on Resident Evil 8? Oh, yeah. Resident Evil Village is the official title, Steve. Okay. All right. Listen, I try to learn from the young people. I try to learn from the young people. Uh, I'm guessing that Aaron Rodgers is learning a bit from his new... It's his fiance, right? They're not married yet. Shailene Woodley? Yes, I believe so. I believe that's correct. Do you want to go down the Adam Hill path? Uh, Very toxic uh, when it comes to his masculinity. Uh, expressing toxic masculinity when he's starting to call Shailene Woodley the actress Yoko Woodley? Because she broke up the Packers? Well, she hasn't yet. I mean, I I feel like guys will jump to this conclusion very early on blaming the wife. Like, Russell Wilson was fine all along, and then all of a sudden he's acting like a petulant child with Pete Carroll and the GM John Schneider. Oh, CR's around. Must be her fault. Hmm. You know, there might be something to this because Aaron Rodgers was never taking side swipes at management before this no, list, no. before the season. He was never no. like this. Well, you know, the weird thing is we don't know Shailene Woodley very well. All I've seen her as, is as an actress. We often did this with Danica Patrick because we think we know Danica Patrick as being a little bit, uh, I don't know, more of a pain in the ass, right? So we blamed it on Danica, but now... <laughs> Now Shailene's in, and Rodgers is doing the same thing. So guess what, folks? It's Rodgers. Right. It's it's not the woman he's with. It wasn't Olivia Munn. It wasn't Danica. It's not Shailene Woodley. It's A-Rodg. And for some reason, that pisses Terry Bradshaw off. And he went on a radio station uh, yesterday and just came out with it straight out. He's like, Rodgers is weak. With him being that upset shows me just how weak he is. Who the hell cares who you draft? 
is a three-time MVP in the league, and he's worried about this guy they drafted last year at number one. Now, I don't know what was said behind the scenes. I don't know what – if he said, look, I'll play this year, and then I want out of here, and they said, fine. Then he's the MVP in the league. I don't know. None of us know uh, unless he told some insiders, and they're saying if I don't hear it. And for him to be upset, my God, I don't understand that. Pittsburgh drafted – Mark Malone, number one, Cliff Stout in the third or fourth round. I had I had him coming at me from all angles. Uh, I embraced it because when we went to practice, I wasn't worried about those guys. You know, it didn't scare me a bit. So I don't understand why he's so upset. Terry Bradshaw, real football player. Aaron Rodgers, eh. Okay. So I think – there's a couple of things. Go, Terry! Let's do it. There's a couple of things here. Um, I love it. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to make a reference to Terry Bradshaw as a quarterback, but I think it helps that you had one of the greatest defenses of all time and that football was nowhere near the level that it is right now. Uh, but regardless, I don't think Aaron Rod- – I think people are misconstruing this. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is necessarily upset that they drafted his replacement. It's that they drafted his replacement – as he has continued to ask for some semblance of invest some high picks in the guy, like in the offense. Again, I bring the example up of a Chase Claypool who was available to them that year. That would have been a fantastic selection for them. And we keep talking, you know, uh, you know, truth from Duluth again, you know, commenting about like, you know, I'd rather have guys that can get the ball back for me for the number one defense. Yeah, it was. Or the, excuse me, the number one offense. Yeah, it was the number one offense. You know how much more of a number one offense it could have been if you go get Chase, like Chase Claypool, for example, in the first round? How much better that awesome offense would have been with an addition like that, right? And I guess there was a report that he was mad that Jake Kumaro was, like, cut and, like, he really liked them. That's insane if that's actually true because the guy's 33 catches in three years. But, like, it's just, I think, more so about – the failure to invest in the skill position players with high picks as opposed to the act of drafting Jordan Love. And then, then if they fire the general manager, he'll come back. Are you kidding me? Really? Aaron, that's that's where this is. Here's what I'd do. I wouldn't budge. Let him gripe. Let him cry. Retire. You're 38. Go ahead and retire. See you later. I mean, I'm really strong about stuff like that. And it just makes him look weak. In my way of looking, it makes him look weak. Weak again. I'm really strong on stuff like that. What does that mean? I I guess be not being pro player as a former player. Weird, right? Yeah, weird for a guy who only had two more touchdowns and interceptions in his career. Was it what, 214 to 212 or 212 to 210? 212, 210. Yeah. I've looked that up a few times. Yeah. It is it is incredible these old quarterbacks and how much they think of themselves and you look at their numbers and you're like holy crap. <laughs> Football was so different. He had a 51% completion percentage. Well, they didn't have all the easy dump off passes so they could complete 68 70% of their passes. No, you just had Lynn Swan who would just toss balls yeah. up to it just be like please save me, go get it. Lynn Swan, John Stallworth and your running back was Franco Harris, and we were just talking about the the Packers defense getting the ball back for the offense, the steel curtain. So, right. I, you know what though, I uh, I like that Bradshaw's taking a stance. Give us one last Bradshaw because he doubles down again and again and again, basically saying Aaron Rodgers is weak. Shut up, punk. Uh, you can sit out if you want. 
if I'm running the the uh, organization, the Packers organization, Bradshaw says, "Hey, you know what? Retire. We're oh, fine." Me being the MVP really screwed them. You know, really messed them up. Well, you're going to make I don't know how much money. That obviously he doesn't need the money, so probably he should just retire and go do Jeopardy. It's the way I look at it, but I wouldn't budge. Okay, which. That is the view of lots of fans, even with a guy who has carried your franchise. Fans will generally go against the player and aren't mm-hmm. much interested in the player's complaint. So I hope it happens. I hope it happens because I will enjoy years and years and years of the Packers toiling like the Chicago Bulls did after Job of the Bull. Jerry Krause broke it up because you couldn't keep it together. We had to break it up. We got to try to be good moving forward. Go ahead and do it, Packers. Go yep. ahead and do yeah. it. I, I would love it. Hey, look, we talked about it, right? It just in terms of betting, win total goes from 10.5 to about 6.5 without Aaron Rodgers on that team. And by the way, remember, next year at least, they're playing a first-place schedule. So it's not like it's not like they got like you know bottom-tiered teams that are going to be rolling into Green Bay or they're making trips to. That's a brutal schedule they're going to have to deal with. So I look, Aaron Rodgers I, does have some power here. And if you're the Green Bay Packers, think about what you can get back for him. It makes all the sense in the world to actually do this and get rid of him if you're Green Bay. Man. I saw one of the SI podcast guys. He uh, he writes uh, whatever their media thing is. Mm-hmm. Getting on Bradshaw, ripping into Bradshaw, saying that Terry Bradshaw is in the, quote, I don't care anymore phase of his career. What does that mean? Oh, I think it's like, you know, old media member who just shows up, doesn't do much work, and – you know, it's just on camera. Like based on what he just he just went on a radio station, and whether you agree with it or not, I don't agree with what Bradshaw is saying. You don't agree with what Bradshaw is saying, but the I don't care would mean he'd come on and half-ass his interviews. That was a great comment. He's got a strong stance. He doesn't think that the power quarterbacks in this league, maybe outside of Tom Brady, get to dictate personnel moves and get to say I want the GM fired. That was a great take. The dude still got his fastball. That was good. Okay, he doesn't. He doesn't have his fastball. Yes, he does. When it comes he, when it comes to radio and TV, he still no. has it when he needs it. No, he doesn't. He has he has an Ephus pitch that's like at fifty miles an hour, and every once in a while, a batter will be like, "What the hell just flew by me? I have no idea what that is." He'll occasionally find the strike zone, but more often than not, he's serving up tater tots that are getting knocked out of the park. You know what's interesting about that whole take, though. Him saying that Rodgers, that he's not going to budge. You realize he's got recent history to back him up, right? Bradshaw's got recent history to back him up. What, before you make this point, do you yeah. think that Bradshaw knows that he has recent history that backs yes, him up? Yes, 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 of course he does. He probably should have brought it up there, and he may have. The Vast Sound crew can't clip everything that comes across the internet. Uh, he should have mentioned, you know why I wouldn't budge? Look up to Seattle. Did you see what management did with Russell Wilson? They freaking neutered him the last couple of weeks. Now, I'm being a little strong with that. I like Russell Wilson. They didn't neuter him. But Russell Wilson and his agent tried to create some controversy, tried to create some bluster, and Pete Carroll and the GM freaking stared him down. And frankly, from what we hear, because you know we, we have uh, some of the Seattle media guys on, so they're telling us what the fan reaction is. John, a lot of the fans were like, Russell, what are you talking about? Back off. So, John, it already worked in Seattle. Russell Wilson hasn't said a peep for a month. Yeah, 
but I also think Russell Wilson's situation is somewhat different, right? Like this thing with Aaron Rodgers has been like a prolonged deal for like multiple years now, right? The thing with Russell Wilson was, hey, let Russ cook. They actually started to let Russ cook, and we can talk about the game planning, and Russell Wilson has his flaws as a quarterback, but this is kind of a new deal with Russell Westbrook, or excuse me, Russell Wilson, and you don't get to make the case that they don't really invest in you when he's done a pretty good job of giving him skill position players to work with. Like, I think Aaron Rodgers' situation is different because it's been pretty clear that they haven't. John, who's your favorite player in uh, MLB The Show? Oh, well, if we're going to go down this route, it would be my made-up player, Diego James, who I named okay. after my son. 364-1100, It's your chance. Caller 7, MLB The Show, 364-1100. It's MLB The Show for Xbox. You can create your dream team. That means you can put guys like Diego James on the team. In uh, Diamond Dynasty, you can mix in legends and current-day players. It's out now. Caller 7, 364 364-1100. But I'll tell you what, when you call in, you gotta say, you got to say to Ari, Diego James. Right? Who is JVT's special player? All you got to do is be listening right now. Diego James. 364-1100. You get MLB The Show 21. Mention that name. You are in. But if you call into Ari and you're like, what I win? That doesn't cut it. Diego James. Want more Cofield and Company? The guys are back with their late night pod tonight at 1030. Watch at Steve Cofield on Twitter or on YouTube. Cofield and Company presents Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Is the Raiders signing one Casey Hayward? So now the competition in the defensive backfield is crazy. And I think there's going to be more players released. Jeff Heath is the latest guy to go bye bye. Yeah. You draft two safeties. You got a crowded defensive backfield. You want to inject some youth. It makes a lot of sense that they would make the move. So we'll see how it pans out. I'm really interested to see if competition equates to improvement sometimes it doesn't especially with a lot of youth but i think this is the direction you kind of expected after seeing what they did in the draft stick your hand in there dave thank you uh what's going on with tony hawk just saw that he was uh he tweeted something out about what rocket power man i was not a nickelodeon person well i mean how old were you in like the late 90s and 2000s well, but even Nickelodeon going back to the, I guess it would probably be the the mid-80s when it started to emerge. I wasn't into it then. Very mature for my age. Weren't you like 20 in the mid-80s? <laughs> well, not really, but it's a good joke. You guys can keep doing it. Uh, no, well, he tweeted out a clip. It just made me think. So he tweeted out a clip uh, of an episode of Rocket Power, which was like Rocket Power was part of Nickelodeon's cartoon lineup, like late 90s, early 2000s. We're talking like peak Nickelodeon cartoons. It was about you know four kids, California. They were extreme sport, you know, enthusiasts. So they played like hockey, skateboarded, rollerbladed, all that kind of stuff. It's a great show, absolutely phenomenal. And I think I'm going to go show my son now. That's the only thing I just realized that I forgot about Rocket Power, and now I'm going to make my son watch it. Is that what everything is now for you? Is uh, reminiscing, and you're like, hey, son, check out what I used to think was cool. Not yet, but it's getting there because, like, you know, he's still at this. He's getting out of the stage where it's all like, you know, alphabet letters and like all that kind of stuff. Like, we're teaching him to read right now, 
but he's starting to get more into like one of the things he's really latching onto is Spider-Man. So like that's you know something I really enjoy the old cartoons, all that kind of stuff. So I'll start to kind of get him into those things, but really only if he shows interest. Like he started to really show interest in Spider-Man, so I'm totally down to indoctrinate him. You know, Nickelodeon was actually started. Well, in 77, but then the big launch is Nickelodeon was actually in 1979. I didn't know it was that old. Really? I had no idea. I mean, I knew, I mean, guess what? Nick at Night was a thing, so I don't know what came first, Nickelodeon or Nick at Night, but. Nickelodeon and then Nick at Night in 19, I'm going to just guess here, uh, 86? Okay. No, 88, 88. That's my guess. I'm going to say that you're right. I'm on the wiki page right now, so I am right. <laughs> 85. Wait, what? Now Nick at night? Yes. July 1st, 1985. I'll make a bet on that. Let's go. Lunch. No shot he pays you. You get to eat with me for a half hour. If I'm Well, he probably he probably already knows the answer um, and is now making a I'm bet. I'm looking so. right at it. Well, very, how else would I know true. the answer? We know no, So I won the bet. Uh, well, you didn't. The source I'm looking at says 1988. So well, my source is better. We'll see. Back in the bag. Stick your hand in there, Dave. It'll cost you. It'll cost me what? We'll talk. We'll negotiate. Per per, stick We're your hand. Negotiate off there, Dave. Exactly. Move on, move on. Uh, we started to do our new feature each show, the Fat Pack, like you know, the Rat Pack. <laughs> the Fat Pack at 4.30. Is there going to be a point, John, where the future of food is bugs? Are we going to start eating more bugs? So, yes. It sounds like uh, that mealworms are going to start to be a part of like a regular addition on some menus and uh, around the world. Actually, I was looking at uh, one of these pieces, and I, I think I sent it to you, right? In terms of Europe, science uh, scientists actually want to put mealworms on the menu in some of these EU nations, dried yellow mealworms. And it brought me back actually to a uh, NPR, like uh, I guess audio essay that I heard on NPR uh, about like in, and this was like two years ago. So like in 10 years from there, so like eight years, that bug protein would be like a regular source of protein in our diet. Because it's much easier to like, you know, amass and create and all that. And you can just churn it out. And it wouldn't be like, here's a slab of cricket. It would be like, you know, like uh, pasta, for example. Noodles would be made with bug meal as opposed to grain. Things like that. I I think it's pretty incredible that that's going to be a regular thing going forward. How would you market it? You lie and don't tell anybody. Exactly. (laughs) We wouldn't notice. It's probably a smart thing to do. But how you could, I mean, bug meal pasta? Right. Would it be like, I, I, I'm going to guess on this reference. I've heard it before, but it's old. So tell me if I get it right. Soylent green, right? Okay. Like Soylent green is people. Isn't that like the phrase? So you would just lie to people and hopefully they just never find out. Damn. I would eat it if I didn't know what it was. I'm sure, I'm sure they can make it taste nice. I mean, I would, I would try it. Because I, I always think about this when it comes to trying new things. Mm-hmm. For the most part, I'd say 90% of the time, unless you're an experimental chef, it's not going to be given to you, fed to you, or made into a meal if it doesn't taste good or is somewhat palatable.
Boy, I was going to make a guarantee here, but I don't want you to go crazy. I am trying to introduce more vegetables in my into my diet. Heavy vegetables recently. Okay. Do you have a recommendation of an offbeat vegetable that I can cook? It's not easy to, or it's not difficult to cook, but it might be surprisingly good. Is there anything you try that's a little offbeat? I don't think it's offbeat, but I like I love asparagus. Just olive oil, salt, pepper, throw it in the oven. Yes. 400 Asparag- degrees, bam. Uh, wait, oven? Yeah. Oven? Yeah. Bruh, come on. Air fryer. What are you come saying? On. Grill? The grill? Come on. Air fryer? Yeah. No, dude, oven. Yeah. It's easy. Yes. The air fryer. All the vegetables go in the air fryer. It's healthy. They crisp up. Got to be careful, though. They burn very quickly. We'll see you.